sure is good to hear you singing forth uh, praises to the Lord. Um, I know I enjoy that myself. I want to talk to you here a little bit before we get started about this issue of things that we sing. Sometimes that we um, we sing things and it, you know we think, you know, am I really there? With what I just sang, some of it is is a challenge. It's designed that way. It's supposed to be that way. Sometimes we kind of stop our in our tracks and recognize, you know, am I, you know, this thing of ever only all for thee? Is that really true? And so it's a challenge to just say, Lord, I come. Lord, I keep praying. You know, I, I, it caught me about, um, do we need to ask God for his righteousness if you're a Christian? Hmm. Let's see. Is that something I need to ask God for if I'm already saved? It's a trick question. Yeah. You know what? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and I, I figure most of you are, but I don't know, there might be some in here that are not a, they're not a believer. They've not put their faith in Christ, but most of you have. And since you have, you know what? You've got everything. You've got everything that he designed. Here's the gift of salvation, and you have everything. You say, well, Woody, what's my problem then? <laughs> okay, so we point you to the word of God and say, we need to be in the word of God. And that's where practical godliness comes from. Practical holiness, practical righteousness. That's where it comes from. And uh, we, we must be careful to turn and give him the praise for anything that happens in your life that is for his honor, for his sake, for his glory, that looks like him. You stop and you say, thank you, God. Thank you for your, your work in my life. Okay? Philippians 1.9 says, I'm sorry, 1.6. Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this very thing, that he who hath begun a good work in you will complete it in the day of Christ Jesus. And you and I need to grab a hold of that and hold on and say, yes, he's doing a good work in me. Okay? So that's my... Uh, thought as we get started here. Um, we are moving into kind of a new section of study that I'm excited about. And it ought to um, be a, a great challenge to each and every one of us as we move from chapter 3 into chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians. So if you take your Bible and look there at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it's a new section of study. However, it, it kind of is from a bridge that was already laid, a foundation that was already laid in this prayer at the end of chapter 3. So it's not like it's a brand new thought. Just because there's a chapter heading there doesn't mean it's, it's now a new subject matter. It's continuing in his thought. So you're in chapter 4. Just back up and look at the end of chapter 3. Verse 11, now may our God and Father himself and Jesus our Lord direct our way to you they wanted to go and see these Thessalonican believers. And he said, and 
And here's the prayer. And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people, just as we also do for you. So that's, that's the first. Here's this love that would increase and abound for one another. And that's a challenge for us as we think about it. You know, I look back on the years of my life. You look back on the years of your life. Is that something that is truly increasing and abounding for, for others? A love? And if it's not, because I know a lot of times I look at it and say, oh, I failed the test. I'm, I, I don't know as if I'm really loving like I ought to. It's a constant thing, my friend. It's not something that you just, oh, 10 years ago I checked and I'll check again in 10 more years. No, you, you carry on every day. This is the issue. Every day. Am I abounding and increasing more and more in love? That's the challenge from God's word. That's the prayer of the apostle. And, or I'm sorry, verse 13, so that, look at it. So that, if that's the case in verse 12, here's why. So that in verse 13, that he may establish your hearts without blame in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Furthermore, brethren, verse 1 of chapter 4, furthermore is the the King James term that is used. And that's really a a more um, helpful reading as we go because some versions say, finally then, brethren, it's like it's a break Uh, now. And finally, now we kind of, we're done with that. Now we move on. Not, Not really. We're carrying on with the thought. And so everything here in chapter 4, 1 through 8, is about, guess what? Holiness. Stop and think. When you maybe hear, maybe you read a book, maybe you see something on the internet, maybe you see something on TV, whatever media channel that you're, you're getting information from, What is it that we hear about Christianity at large? What do we hear about Christianity at large? What's the, what's the key, like, what's the message of Christianity? In our day and age, in my life, I look at it and think, well, it's really that Christianity is about love and forgiveness. And it's like that becomes a, 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 uh, the, the, in the spotlight, that, that becomes in the spotlight about love and forgiveness. Um, and really, a lot of things that come up in regards to, in relation to Christianity, a lot of it's garbage. <laughs> you know, because the, the culture and the society that we live in the, and the, the thrust that we have from media doesn't want to put Christianity in a good light. And in, especially now we... We turn to what we're trying to say is, well, here's what ought to be behind the message of Christianity. And that is, it's a holy God, it's a holy Savior, and it's a holy Christian church, and it ought to be a holy Christian. It ought to be about holiness. But because we feel like we fail the test, I can't make that. We go with something that's more, you know, it's, it's obviously more suited to me, love and forgiveness. That sounds better. That sounds easier. So it's, it, it is. This is, um, this is a theme that you know, we can't deny. And we shouldn't be neglecting. And here's what 
we find is now it turns, like most of the other New Testament letters, there's a point where it turns into practical application. And that's what's happening now. Okay? So I have some observations on this about how a believer is established in holiness. How a believer is established in holiness. Because that's the prayer that he just left off of, and that's what we want to see how he describes it. I've got some observations about it, and I've kind of laid it out in this outline. Uh, the outline, remember, is not the key. Uh, it's the Word of God. But the outline is just going to really help me. Hopefully, it can help you. Okay? So, on we go. These observations about what's really um, the key for the family. Because it is really all about um, what's in the family of God and what the Father what our Father would want to shine, have shine the brightest. Okay? So, it's all in the family. And there's uh, these four points that I sh- uh, share with you to suggest uh, that help our, our thinking about this. And number one, it starts with this term, brothers. Furthermore, or finally then, brothers. And number one is the family line. Are you in the family line? Are you a part of the family of God? And so, number one, the family, we could call it the family lineage. He's talking to brothers, right? And it's about then, therefore, letter A, spiritual birth. There's got to be, if you, if you are called a brother or a sister, the term brother in this is, is really generic for any brother or sister. He's talking to the church, not just to males in the church. So it's in, in the generic way. Brothers. And to be called a brother, you need to be in the family. Okay? It's simple thought. Being in the same family. Being called a brother or sister. It's the understanding you've been born again. John chapter 3. You've been born again into God's family. And uh, there's new life within you. So thus you could be called a brother because there's new life. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Uh, you're, you're a new creature. Behold, old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. You're a new creature in Christ. And at this point, before we move on to the, the second sub-point in letter B, it's, so how? How do, if I'm sitting here, I, I got invited to church and I'm here sitting in this church and I'd never really considered myself a brother. I mean, it sounds like it's, a, you know, kind of exclusive and I'm not quite there. Well, um, let me talk to you. The, the whole idea is that's what the family of God calls each other, brother or sister. That's the idea. That we're a part of one family. And many people think that we're, you know, not necessarily you that are sitting here, but out in our community, everyone might have the idea that everybody is part of God's family. Well, in a sense, that's right. Why? Because he created everyone. But the problem is, if, if you're not born again by faith in Jesus Christ, you're not a part of his family. You're actually in the devil's family. You're in Satan's family. You're a part of darkness, not light. You're a part of death, the kingdom of death and darkness, not Life and light in Jesus. And so the call is to come to faith in Jesus Christ. It's not through signing a card. 
you know, you've got cards in front of you. You know, you don't just sign a card and get a, to be a part of God's family. You don't walk an aisle just to be a part of God's family. You don't pray a prayer just to get into God's family. Those are things that can help assist it, but that's not what brings you into God's family. No, it's only by faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in the person, the God-man, the historical person of Jesus Christ. You put faith in him. You believe that what he did is right. You believe it's true. You believe it's effective. Here it is. I recognize my own sin. That's a part of faith. Because the Bible says that, you know, we're all sinners. So I understand I'm a sinner. And I put faith in Jesus Christ. It's not about... You don't put faith about Jesus in the mix. That's not the idea. You put faith in. That's the little word. In. Not near to... Not about, but in Jesus. Okay? I, I want to implore you, each one of you, make sure that's happened. Don't, don't play a game of church or of spirituality, of religiosity or churchianity. Don't play those games. Why? Because eternity is at stake, my friend. And so we must understand, if you're saying, yeah, I'm a part of God's family, I, I, I want to be part of this, being called brother. Well, it has to be through faith in Jesus Christ. Admitting your sin to him, confessing that Jesus is Lord. Embracing John fourteen six. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one comes under the Father but through me. Okay, so spiritual birth, that's... That's where it's at. Faith in Christ alone. Okay? Letter B is really, you know, we talk about brothers. I don't know, you know, some of you have seen my brother. And it's like you ask him if we were twins. And so it's like there's strong family resemblance, strong family lines. It's like, wow, that's Woody with red hair. Um... And you haven't even seen my little sister yet. You know, she's not been here. You know, she is like a, another year younger than me. And it's like, we're twins. Um, the point, you get the point. There's these similarities that shows a strong family line. And not just that you're claiming to be in God's family, but you look like it. And some of you, what kind of... Hmm. Is your conduct showing it? I stand up here. I believe it's what God would have me to do is throw that challenge out to you. Your conduct, your behavior. Is it really looking like a brother in the Lord, a sister in the Lord? How are you handling situations? How are you handling people in your own family? How are you dealing with problems at work? Like a Gentile or like a brother or sister in Christ? And so it's like we put Jesus on just for Sunday mornings and Bible study and camps and conferences. But it's at work and other places that was like, <clears throat> right? We, we got to watch that. Where are the birthmarks? Where are the birthmarks of my being in the family of God? This is what identifies me. If I say I'm a Christian, that means what the Bible says is that I am in Christ. 
And so therefore my conduct needs to start matching my position. Your position in Christ is blameless. Holy and blameless. That's your position in Christ. That's what God has provided in salvation. You don't need anything else. Because in Christ, you are blameless. In Christ, you are holy. Would you say that to yourself right now? In Christ, I am holy. But a lot of times we separate it and we say, oh, but my, I got to... I got to do better and and show that I earn more of God's blessings. That's getting into performance. We can't go there. Can't go there. We what we need to do is respond to the work that's been done in us. When I first found out that Noreen loved me, my response was like, "Okay, now it's different." Yes. So the response is different now. Okay? So that's the idea. You know that God loves you through Christ and through what He did at the cross. Do you know that? Then start responding to His grace in your life. Okay? So this is the idea. What's the mark? What's the birthmark of a Christian? John chapter 13. Mark it down. John chapter 13, verse 35. They will know that you're Christians by your love. That's a big, big item there. The, the mark of love. By this will all people know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Okay? So it is in God's family. What about our worship in God's family as brothers and sisters? Is that something that shows us as set apart? What about our, our calling? What I'm getting at here is holy living. And is that something that we rally around and encourage one another in? Is holy living? And what about our mission? Remember the message Brennan gave at the beginning of the year about Matthew 28? What about our mission? Are we rallying around it? Does that set us apart from others? Is the fruit of the Spirit showing in my life and your life? Those are birthmarks, my friend. The whole letter of 1 John is getting at this type of uh, issue, this type of subject, okay? So that's the family line. Is that showing, you have spiritual birth and you have spiritual birthmarks? Then we call each other brother and sister. We're part of the family of God. Is that the case for you? Number two, there's the, the family lesson. Okay, we all sit around. Here's the, here's the family lesson. Let's continue looking at the passage. Look at it. Verse 1, finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus just that, that as you receive from us instruction, right there, stop right there, you've received instruction. This is something that they received. They didn't reject it. They didn't push it off and say, well, that's not cool or whatever. They, they received it. They welcomed it. And that's what the, the letter of 1 Thessalonians is about. That there is change, gospel change in their lives. Right? And that's the challenge for us. And here, in this part of verse 1, we contemplate, we think over the family lesson. It's one story, one lesson, and it's the gospel. That's what they came to instruct them in, was the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's through encouragement. It's through, here, there are the two subpoints. You see it. And teachers, educators, it's not just by way of one or the other. It's by way of both. 
There's effective learning going on, isn't there? It's through encouragement and instruction. I was talking to someone earlier this morning about the problem of, uh, we, we just don't seem to, see, I didn't, past tense, and the person I was talking to was present tense, not being able to see, succeed very well in math studies. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I never did well in math. And so this is one thing, it's like, I could just say, well, you know, I never was really encouraged. Well, you know, there's other subjects that, there's a teacher that really steps out and encourages you, and you, you go, wow, that's really cool. And there's encouragement and instruction going on. And that's the idea behind what's going on here. We, inc- we request and exhort you. We urge you. You've already received our instruction. Okay? So the family lesson is important. But remember, the family lesson is one story, one lesson. The gospel of Jesus Christ. We've talked about it in the past. I gave, here's a, uh, an invitation for the gospel early, earlier on this morning here. Just here's, here's what you do to become a child of God. So encouragement, that's huge. Stop and think of your childhood, your school days, and who you, most of you could maybe even list out a name and saying it was Mrs. Travis that encouraged me in English and I went on to study this. Or it was, you know, Mr. Johnson and he encouraged me to go into chemistry and boom, I go into chemistry in college. Right? All that kind of thing. There's encouragement and instruction. Okay, so turn with me. At this point, regarding the, the letter B point on instruction to First uh, Timothy, First Timothy, Thessalonians, go through Hebrew, uh, I'm sorry, before Hebrews, there you go. It's before Hebrews. <clears throat> Just a couple of books over from First Thessalonians, and we're in First uh, Timothy chapter 1, sorry about that, yeah, chapter 1, verse 3 and 5. Just follow along. And it's Paul writing to his, um, the man that he's mentored, his uh, son in the Lord. It's um, uh, Timothy. And he's saying, As I urged you upon my departure from Macedonia, remain on at Ephesus so that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines, nor pay attention to myths, endless genealogies. They, they merely give rise to speculation rather than furthering the administration of God which is by faith, or put in there the gospel, the administration of God. But, verse 5, look at it, mark it, but the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscious, conscience and a sincere faith. Okay, that's our charge. That's what we need to instruct people in and towards. And holy living, it's like we, we hear this statement, you know, here's holy living that can that must be taught but it also can be caught through encouragement it's taught through instruction caught through encouragement okay it's a very basic concept yet how often is the encouragement factor lacking or missing or even instruction as we just read how how often can the instruction veer off course to be just discussions about genealogies or myths Okay. Gospel instruction, listen, gospel instruction can easily morph into myths and genealogies. 
Do you know the gospel so that doesn't happen? That's why we put it in the bulletin. That's why we want to talk about it. I need to be reminded of it. You need to remind yourself of it. Because it's the power of the gospel that changes lives. Romans 1, 16. Okay? So we don't want to promote speculations. Rather, we want to promote stewardship from God that is by faith. Now, moving on. Point number three. That was uh, touching quickly on the issue of the family lesson. Give it at home. Give it to yourselves. Remind each other about the gospel. And it's through gospel encouragement and gospel instruction. Point number three is now the family livelihood. All right? The family livelihood. Look at it. Chapter 4, verse 1 that we request and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us instruction as to, there it is, how to walk and please God, that you excel still more. Okay? So the family livelihood is about continuing to exercise. You continue to exercise by merely walking. How, how important is walking for us all? But see, the thing is, it's about what the Bible means about walk, and it's, your conduct. This is walking is really one of the best pictures of the life of faith that we've been given in the Bible. And it's something so simple that you, you know, you can start talking to your two year old about it. Or your two year old grandson or daughter, right? You know, it's just, it's that basic of a thing. But how often do you, being a, an experienced Christian, kind of drift away from that thinking like that. I've been there. I've gotten that down. No, you haven't. You need to walk today in the things of God. Walk in faith. Walk in the grace that he's provided. Walk in his strength and rely on him. It's your conduct, right? Now, this walk is what pleases him. You see that? So as to how you ought to walk and please God just as you actually do walk, that you excel still more. Our Father wants His children to walk, but not just walk, but walk with Him. You're walking with Him, okay? Write these references down very quickly. We'll we'll not get into them, but Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, walk in a manner worthy of your calling, Verse 17, no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their mind. Colossians 1 verse 10 says, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Colossians 2 6, therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus, the Lord, what? So walk in him. Second John verse four, third John verse four, both of them very similar uh, I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And Third John 4 says, I have no greater joy. Let that sink in. And, and let's think that it's God speaking to you. I have no greater joy than to know that my children are walking in the truth. Okay? That's where we need to be. And it's exercise. It's just doing what you're made to do. 
You just take one step and another step and... You know, every parent wants their child, you know, that little infant that's now a a crawler, they want to see them start walking. That's the idea of our maturing and growing. That's the livelihood of the family, okay? That's what we all need to be doing. And you can ask each other that. How are you doing with your in your walk with Jesus? How are you doing? You know, encourage one another in that way about the exercise. But it's not just the exercise that we're to continue in. It's also letter B, to continue to excel in it. To excel in it. And some versions uh, say to um, do this, to do so more and more. And the, the word there means to abound in. Abound in this practice to walk and please God. See, it's important that we we put these kind of pieces together. I just earlier said, hey, you have everything you need in the gift of salvation. And so some, you know, could say, well, I'm going to sit back and, you know, wait for God to work on my life. Just sit back and relax. God's done everything, right? I'm forgiven, right? See, he wants the child to learn to walk. And then on top of it, he says, child, don't just walk, but Excel in this. Excel in it. Turn to Philippians. You go, uh, you're in First Thessalonians. Go back just a couple of books to Philippians chapter 1. Here's the word used um, in verse 9. It says, And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. You are called to do that. You're called to do that. Okay? That you might get to the place where you are approving the things that are excellent. Turn over to Philippians 3, verse 8. I'm sorry, verse 7 will start there. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing. Isn't that interesting, the way that's put? Not just to know about the excellency, but the value of knowing the excellency of Christ, my Lord. Okay? Um, And then... Just mark this as a reference. I want to read this to you. You don't have to turn there. In 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. What, is that something that you have to wait around to have God just shower that down on you? Or is that something you're called to do? <laughs> you're to keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that they would see a difference, Right? And then one more verse. I, w- I do want you to look this one up. Look at chapter, uh, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians. Turn there, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Look at verse 1 with me. Follow along. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, 
let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Okay? Perfecting is the idea that you are on that track of completion, accomplishing. It's, it's an aggressive type of thing. It's not just sitting back and, and being passive. It's you are actually moving in that direction of your life. It's a continuous process. That's the idea of sanctification. Okay? And you're doing this to say, I, I want to do this out of, you know, for holiness in the fear of God, out of reverence for God, out of reverence for uh, the fact that He is holy. Is that something that we bring to mind a lot? The character of God? In everything He is, He is holy. And so... If I think of God in that way, that's going to help in this, regarding this verse. Perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. And he's given you his spirit, the Holy Spirit, if you're a child of his. Okay? So, um, the family livelihood, you exercise by walking. That's the, that's the simple uh, assignment. Just walk with Him. Trust Him. Walk with Him. This is your conduct. And then you excel in this. Excel. Let's, let's move forward and grow in this. Number four is the uh, final point back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 in verse 2. It says that you excel still more for you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. Now, they, most versions, this is the New American Standard, and they have inserted the term by, uh, I'm sorry, the term the, the authority of, because of the word commands. That's why the NAS um, uh, men and women who put this together, they understood this to make it a more clear reading because of the word commands. It could just read, well, you know what commandments we gave you by Jesus. But the point is, this is a military term. The word commands. It's a military term, meaning it's a, it's a charge. It's a directive. It's from an authoritative source. Okay? And it's not just... Um, here, here's Paul sharing it, but it's also, he's, he's referring, this is from Jesus. That you live this way, you conduct your life this way. It's from him. And it calls us to attention, just like the, you know, the base commander in chief or whatever, you know, at the base. You, you get to command, you know, you, you get to attention when he comes, right? And so, this is what we come to, folks as we kind of wrap things up for this message, listen, we get to his commands. And what are we talking about? We're talking about a, how, how to establish holiness in your life. So what's the implication with his commands? You and I, what? Obey. See, again, we can enter into an area, into a subject matter that is uh, rather challenging for us because it, there's, a, there's a 
great tendency for us as people, as Americans, as people in a free society to do whatever we want to do. And that carries over into our faith. I have a problem with it and you have a problem with it. And we need to say, not my will, but thy will be done, Lord. Not my kingdom, but thy kingdom will I seek. And so we need to remember when we think of, you know, here's number, point number four is the family life support. That's what it is. When we talk about life support systems, we're talking about what we need. And what I need is his directives. I need his word. I need his authority in my life. You need it. So it's, here's the family life support. And it's about his authority. Letter A, his authority. And Second Timothy 3.16, all scripture is what? Inspired by God, breathed out by God. Okay? Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 19 and 21. Another reference about the, the authority of the word of God. We didn't just receive this from anyone. This is what we received from God. The, the scriptures... Uh, we're in this regard, when we're talking about Christ's authority, the Bible is his word. It's authoritative. And what it's designed for is letter B, my application. Uh, it's given, the, the authority in the scripture is given, and it's designed to bring forth my application, the, the working of it in my life. You know what? This is a, a very elementary type of outline and thought process. And it's maybe we need this kind of elementary thinking to help people get back to basics on how to live in a holy life, in a direction of holiness in life. Application is showing that it's not just simply about my belief system, what I've got going on in my head, Application then makes it from a creed to what? My conduct. That's what application is. I talked about it in Sunday school this morning. A lot of Christians have a lot of facts going around in their brain. But it's not doing them any good until it gets to their conduct. It's got to get from your, your, your thought process into your hands. In your feet. That's why we said, take my life, take my hands, take my feet. You know, I, I've, I've implied these kind of things in the past. I don't care if you've been saved for 60 years. Big deal. If you're not applying the truth to your life. Doesn't matter. And we don't need more brainiacs about the facts of scripture what we those are it's helpful i know but that's not what we what we need are reflections of christ in this community we need to show jesus and you and i if we're saying we're of the family of god we need to show that we've got here's the the unity of the spirit ephesians 4 okay And so, you know what? We need to 
rally around this study as we go in the next few weeks. We need to rally around it. Why? Because it's going to get personal. I'm not meaning that by saying I'm going to mention people by name. I'm not saying that. Don't worry. But it gets personal because of the, the way the passage unfolds before us. And we are a people who are guilty of saying things with our lips, but having our heart far from God. And it's a challenge for you, my friend, to walk in His power by His grace. Not to just go with what you hear, the music going on over, a, a, you know, in the world, at, at school, at work, on the TV. Don't, go, don't follow that music. Don't follow that tune. And this is why I know we're, um, it's like, here's some of the delays of spiritual life and spiritual revival is because you and I, and I say it with me, you and I are not choosing to live holy lives. So, God, please help us. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Nevertheless, nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands. The firm foundation of God stands. Having this seal, this statement over it. The Lord knows those who are His. We like that. The Lord knows those who are His. Yeah, I'm a brother. I'm a brother in Christ. But the statement continues on. And this, it says, And everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. Now, in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood, and of earthenware, and some to honor, and some to dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the Master, prepared for every good work. Now, flee from youthful lusts, and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Heavenly Father, we bow before you. Hearing these words, uh, we are humbled. Um, we, we are needy. Uh, Lord, help us to be uh, honest with you. Um, we need to make some changes in our lives to demonstrate that grace has taken effect in us, Lord. Help us to do that. And then help us to rejoice in your gift to us in Jesus. And to carry on by walking with you, Lord Jesus. To walk with you. Help us to think what that means today and tomorrow and through the week. That we'd walk with Jesus today. Continue your good work in us for your glory. 
And thank you for this time in your word and in worship to you. Uh, There's no one like you, Lord, and we bless your name in Jesus' name. And everyone said...